from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., this is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom, and transparency. Welcome to Update One, the National Press Club's podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Silameo, a member of the club's Board of Governors and the Broadcast Committee. And I'm really delighted to be talking with Brad Fitch, who leads the Congressional Management Foundation here in Washington. Like many of us, Brad began his career in journalism, then worked on Capitol Hill for more than a decade before joining the foundation. Now, if you don't know about its work, it offers counsel and training for members of Congress and staff, and especially new members and staff trying to get their offices up and running, and works to make Congress work better. It also offers guidance for people who want to communicate with and influence Congress. And Brad has written extensively about working with Congress and often advises reporters who are new to the Hill on what can be the strange world of covering Congress. So welcome, Brad. Thank you, Deborah. Glad to be here. Well, now, now that you've had the opportunity to work with some of the newest members of Congress, and since your mission is to make Congress work better, I'd really be interested in your thoughts on the prospects for this session. Well, I've had the honor of working now with 10 freshman classes, and this is uh, obviously on some levels not much different than other classes in that they come very eager. They're interested in building bipartisan relationships. They're interested in seeing the institution function better. On average, they're a little younger uh, than most freshman classes. They're in their 40s, although we still have some members in their 60s that have joined the freshman class. Um, I actually attended a retreat with them. And I say, if I have to say one thing that differentiates this class from the others, they're a bit funnier. Um, they told some really good jokes. And so I'm really hopeful the humor will come back to Washington, D.C., and they'll bring a little humor to the House and Senate chambers. Um, but I also noticed in, in, in this class, uh, there there is a, always an interest in, in strong communications and ensuring that they're doing citizen engagement in a more modern way. And that's one of the things we've seen change over the last 10 to 20 years is that freshmen do acknowledge and recognize that interacting, whether it be with the social media or free media, uh, mainstream media is is essential part of their jobs. And uh, I think think that uh, I'm hopeful that this class will function at a high level. The other interesting thing about this class, in contrast to some other recent classes, is it's bipartisan. It's about 55 percent Republican, 45 percent Democrat. And in recent years with wave elections, uh, that is a little unusual because, for example, in 2010, it was something like 90-10, you know, Republicans. And that was Tea Party year. Um, in 2018, similarly, it lent towards the uh, the Democrats. So a bipartisan class sometimes has the potential of continuing to work together. And we've actually heard some great stories of some some freshman members that are engaging in a, I would say, a more intentional effort to build uh, relations across uh, the party lines. Maybe it's because there's such a small margin in the House and Senate. Maybe it's because we're still dealing in a post-January 6th world on Capitol Hill. But uh, some early signs are very positive. Do you think there's going to be less uh, siloing in communications? In other words, um, for a long time, uh, a very, say, liberal member of Congress would not want to or would not want to be asked or wouldn't be asked to be on Fox, for example. 
um, and vice versa. So do you, do you think that those silos are breaking down? I, I don't, unfortunately. I was actually talking to a uh, editor with a conservative media outlet just a few weeks ago, and they sometimes it, are finding it difficult to talk to Democrats. I, I just give you an example, a practical example. Uh, now that the Capitol is opening up and reporters are allowed to just follow members of Congress anywhere and pop questions to them anywhere, a reporter might ask a question, and instead of the member of Congress responding to the question, they would instead say, who are you working for? And unfortunately, sometimes they'll not, the Republicans won't talk to a left of center or it's viewed as a left of center media outlet and vice versa. And so unfortunately, I do think we're seeing some some siloing. Having said that, I, we've also, I'm sure all your listeners have seen some of the great examples of members of Congress trying to uh, break down those silos themselves whether it's a Democrat going on Fox or a, a Republican going on MSNBC, um, there certainly seems to be some members who are, you know, willing to, you know, walk into the lion's den and, and give it their best shot. So I know that you have offered counsel to new reporters, and I wanted to ask you what advice you offer them, but perhaps I should also ask you what kind of advice you have in general for reporters covering Congress. I started my job decades ago as a stringer, uh, in my 20s, working for small TV stations in the Southwest and the South. So I kind of walked in everybody's shoes for a while, although it was in the 80s, the 1980s was a much, much different uh, working environment on Capitol Hill and interacting with the uh, the press was different. Um, so first and foremost, have off the record conversations with as many staffers as possible and definitely not just the communication staff. Now, of course, the communication staff is going to work very hard to prevent you from talking to legislative assistants or, you know, chief counsels on the committees. But uh, that one of the great things about the House opening up in January is if you go to a committee hearing and you see a chief counsel whispering, whispering in the ear of a chair, during a break, you can go meet that chief counsel and, and say, hey, hi, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm with this media outlet and we're going to be covering the hearings and we're going to be covering you in the future. And I just wanted to say hello. Um, not every interaction with a staff member has to be transactional. And I think that with so much pressure on reporters to produce content, they feel like they've got to get a quote or they feel like they've got to get some content that's publishable. And I would say that's a mistake. Um, you know, relationship building, whether you're a citizen trying to build a relationship with a lawmaker or a reporter trying to build a relationship with a lawmaker, it's based on trust that happens over time. And so that initial interaction you have with a uh, staffer uh, can just be, hey, this is what I do. This is where I'm from. This is what we're interested in. Uh, maybe in the future we can grab coffee and, and talk a little bit more about common interests and things like that. So I think the first and foremost is is, is relationship building is a, is a key component of the long-term success of any representative from a media outlet. I also think that becoming a subject matter expert on the institution itself is important. Nothing turns off a member of Congress or staff or more than a reporter walking in to interact with them and being just ignorant of the process and not knowing uh, about. And now it's okay to walk in and tell people what you don't know. I, I in fact, really enjoy working either with new reporters or even student reporters um, who will be very transparent and say, look, I'm new to Washington and I don't know the difference between an appropriation and an authorization bill. Can you tell me about it? I mean, Nobody in Washington dislikes being 
trainer and teacher. They all like showing off how smart they are. Um, so I think that that would be, you know, again, being very honest in what you know and what you don't know is going to lead to a more successful start of any career. Was something you said made me just want to make the point that media relations and public relations have the word relations in them because relationships are at the heart <laughs> of, of what we do. Um, I want to talk for a minute about those of us in the communication side of it now who and the advocacy community, because I know you do a lot of work with them. Um, with everything that's going on, the polarization we've talked about, the constant social media microscope, what are your top pointers for communicators and advocates? Well, for advocates, I first point out that it's not as bad as it looks on television, that the media, unfortunately, um, sometimes get a fair rap when they're labeled with the criticism that they cover all the heat and none of the light. And so if you look at some of the, especially mainstream media, national outlets, um, they're covering the controversial issues. And again, that's their business model. And I'm not really knocking it. I understand that you've got to cover abortion, immigration, guns, sometimes healthcare. Um, that represents about mm, 6%, 7% of what the Congress does when you look at the totality of the institution and what individual members are spending their time on. Individual members are focusing on meeting with emergency room nurses to talk about workplace safety, or they're talking with physical therapists about whether or not they can get their tuition reimbursed so they can work in rural areas, or they're talking with truck drivers about whether or not they can transport horses on double-decker trucks. And nobody ever won or lost their election on whether or not they supported horses being transported on double-decker trucks. So advocates need to appreciate that members of Congress have a lot more flexibility to be supportive or not supportive of whatever their legislative agenda is. And I, I rarely work with advocates. And I, as you pointed out, we do uh, have probably done 500 uh, training sessions over the last eight years with hundreds of organizations. And I have think I've done of those hundreds, immigration has come up twice um, in those sessions. Abortion has never come up. Um, and uh, certainly guns have never come up because it's just not something that the emergency nurses or the truck drivers or the dermatologists or physical therapists or realtors care about. I mean, they're focusing on their narrow issues. So most advocates actually have a window of opportunity. And this is especially true with freshman classes because they haven't developed their positions on these issues that might be essential to you. So you not only have an opportunity to win over someone from an undecided to a yes, you maybe even can turn them into a champion. I, I got a great survey that we did of freshman members of Congress and staff in 2019. And one office gave us a case study about a group that came in in February. They had their ducks in a row. They had people from all over the district. The, the, the people that were in the district were representative sample of the people in that particular community. They talked about the issue. And the member of Congress said, this is going to be my first bill. And it turned into their first piece of legislation. But it was only because the group was completely prepared. They had both anecdotal data and statistical data. They had storytelling and rational data to back up their, their cause. And the member of Congress became a champion within one month. You give us hope. <laughs> um, my job. I, I, I really appreciate your thoughts. Um, I know we're, we are going to try to wrap this up. So I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything else that you think it's important, you'd like to communicate to to our members and listeners. 
I think that I would communicate to continue, and, and the media has done a little of this, continue to keep an eye on the modernization movement that is happening within the House of Representatives. The Select Committee on Modernization was created four years ago and had an amazing run at uh, everything from improving pay for congressional staff to bringing back earmarks in a reformed way that was fair. It's now called community funded projects, and it was adopted by the Democrats. It's been reinforced by the Republicans now taking in the House of Representatives. That's just one of the examples of the institution trying to modernize itself. And this is increasingly a central part of the Congressional Management Foundation's mission. Um, we still have to get the Senate on the same path. But the House has made some just tremendous work, and the, it's been done in a bipartisan way by uh, then-Chairman Derek Kilmer of Washington, a Democrat, and William Timmons, a Republican of South Carolina. Um, there's been some great research and articles written on this recently. And so I would tell reporters, you know, keep an eye on the modernization movement. It's now moving over to the Committee on House Administration. A subcommittee has been created, but there's going to be continued improvements in the institution of Congress. And that is essential because this is the the life, the heart, the, the the sinew of our democracy flows through the United States Congress. And we need a functioning Congress in order to have a functioning democracy. And uh, there are more institutionalists than you might think that are focused on the Congress. And we encourage the reporters to keep an eye on those and, and cover them. And, and even though process sometimes can be boring, uh, it's essential to our democracy. Thank you so much, Brad. I really appreciate it. Um, if, if you would like to learn more about the work of the Congressional Management Foundation, you can go to congressfoundation.org. And of course, if you want to know more about the National Press Club, press.org. So thanks, Brad, for joining us today. And thanks all of you for listening. This has been Update One from the National Press Club. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club, the world's leading professional organization for journalists and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.